to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. 3D printed guns for everyone. We've got that story. Plus the cashless backlash cometh. But first, Ross Ulbricht denied Supreme Court hearing. We grabbed this from Activist Post. Nearly five years after his arrest for the role in the creation of the Silk Road online marketplace, Ross Ulbricht was denied a hearing with the U.S. Supreme Court. On Thursday, June 28th, the highest court in the U.S. refused to hear arguments from Ross Ulbricht's attorneys regarding his 2015 conviction and double life sentence for his role in managing the Silk Road website. The online marketplace allowed users to buy products, legal and illegal, using Bitcoin until it was shut down by the feds in 2013. Ross was arrested October 2nd, 2013, and charged with a range of felonies related to running an alleged criminal empire. In February 2015, he was found guilty and eventually sentenced to two life sentences plus 40 years. The Supreme Court's denial of Ross's petition is devastating to us personally, but also to the Fourth Amendment and privacy rights of all Americans. Ross's mom, Lynn Ulbricht, told Activist Post. Throughout Ulbricht's trial, the government claimed he should be held responsible also for all the illegal drug sales on Silk Road, an estimated $138 million worth of illegal drugs. The feds also attempted to pin the blame for six overdoses on him as well. Finally, the feds discussed alleged and unproven claims that Ulbricht attempted to have five people murdered in an attempt to keep his identity private. Despite the fact that those claims have never been proven, they continue to be used in the media and court to paint Ross Ulbricht and paint him in a negative light. James, I've got a few interesting related Related links to this, and I've talked about it on the Morning Monarchy, of course, that America's next top president does seem to be open to the idea of taking requests for pardons. He's been busting out all kinds of pardons. We just saw the big Oregon occupation pardon come down in the last 24, 48 hours. If Trump really wanted to fight the deep state, the Free Thought Project has an article noting that he free Ross. James, you actually talked to Lynn Ulbrich. And posted it exactly a year ago today as we are taping this on July 11, 2018. And Lisa Arbacheski writing for TragedyandHope.com who really has done a ton of really great important work on behalf of Ross. If Ross isn't free, you're not free. James? Yeah, the implications of this entire case are huge. So I hope if people aren't familiar with it in any degree of detail that they will go back to my interview with Lynn Ulbricht where we go over the history of the case and, and what happened and what didn't happen and and the, the craziness that went on in the trial. So there's a lot to dig into there. But yes, this is another, uh, I suppose, link in the chain of the travesty of injustice that has uh, linked, uh, uh, well, been forged around Ross at this point, but also the the uh, chains are falling on another accused in this case, Gary Davis, uh, who's an Irish uh, citizen who has been accused of being an alleged co-conspirator with Ross Ulbricht, and they're, they've been trying to extradite him, and it looks like that is uh, going ahead, and uh, the legal barriers to the extradition from Ireland to the U.S. are falling, which is particularly ironic because, of course, Gary Davis has never set foot in the United States in his entire life, but he is uh, going to, potentially going to be extradited there and, if found guilty, imprisoned for life in the United States for having... I, I, I mean, the charges on him are just that he operated a forum on the Silk Road. So literally for talking to people on the internet, he is potentially facing life in prison in a country he never set foot in. So for more details on that, I'll throw in a link to uh, uh, news.bitcoin.com, dark web alleged Silk Road conspirator, 
handed to U.S. authorities, and uh, that there's some more details about that. And uh, it includes a link to Roger Veer's recent video, My Story of Being Tortured in Prison, talking about his time in federal prison back in 2002 for the horrible, unconscionable crime of selling firecrackers on eBay, like many people were at the time, actually, um, back in uh, 2002, 2003. So that's, uh, that's quite a, a video. I hope people will take a look at that and uh, and realize that this uh, this injustice is still going on and is about to uh, probably engulf another person. So again, I think people need to to understand what's happening, and I think that uh, the gist of the uh, tragedy and hope title is correct. There, if if Ross isn't free, neither are you, and uh, this is going to affect everyone and what they can and cannot do on the internet. More on which I suppose we'll be talking about in different aspects later. <laughs> That link, uh, again, from tragedyandhope.com actually contains a whole wealth of other kind of research to get in this, what is admittedly a, a giant story, James. Of course, you and I, at the beginning of a lot of these episodes, before we start to roll tape, realize that these are big, complicated stories that we are in some ways trying to trying to kind of drill down and get across in kind of a bite-sized way. But of course, it's always a bit more complicated than that. So, of course, everything we say will always be mentioned down in the show notes. James, of course, you're mentioning all this extradition. Of course, there's uh, we've got uh, Kim.com on kind of a different note, also kind of reaching kind of the last straws of his fight against being extradited to a country he's never set foot in and never ran a business in. Our second story this week on New World Next Week, episode 346, takes us to technocracy.news as the cashless backlash. It's kind of a tongue twister, but the movement's taken heat from lawmakers. The global cashless movement has reached, of course, the District of Criminals, where a growing number of fast, casual, and other establishments are saying no to the greenback in favor of plastic and mobile payments. Sweet Green, a national salad chain, went cashless in most of its locations last year. Other spots include a frozen yogurt shop downtown, posh wine bar, and a beer store. Soon, however, they might be breaking the law. Critics of no-cash policy say they shut out the 1 in 10 city residents who don't have bank accounts and undocumented immigrants who can't easily sign up for cards. Some people also pay in cash so they can better track their spending or to avoid having their card information stolen. Heeding these concerns, several lawmakers have introduced a bill to require retailers to accept cash. By denying the ability to use cash as a payment, businesses are effectively telling lower income and younger patrons that they are not welcome, so said council member David Grasso. His bill is among the pockets of of resistance forming against the cashless trend, which has taken hold in countries such as Sweden and India, where mobile payments are gaining popularity. Of course, in Sweden, it's also getting really popular to just in inject yourself with microchips. Similar legislation was unsuccessfully introduced in Chicagoland last year. Massachusetts has an obscure 1978 pro-cash law on the books, but the State Retailers Association says it doesn't seem to be enforced and state officials haven't offered any guidance. Other restaurateurs say refusing to take cash is disrespectful to their customers. Perhaps unsurprisingly, and I think we've maybe talked about this, James, if not on Neural Next Week, then I know certainly somewhere in the media monarchy kingdom, Visa – you know, big credit card company. They have been a major booster of the cashless movement. They, back in March, awarded 50 different businesses $10,000 each for rejecting cash payments and has released reports touting the benefits of a cashless society. James, I even interviewed a guy a couple of years ago, a guy named David Woolman, touting the end of money. And when I talked about cashless societies, oh, that's too pithy. That's just ridiculous. That'll never happen. James. 
Yeah, uh, this is an interesting story. I mean, first of all, it's, I think we can put it in the good news category insofar as the backlash against the cashless society is, I think, what uh, myself, I assume yourself, and I assume most of the people watching this are are looking forward to. Yes, no, we should not be marching blindly into the cashless future for all sorts of reasons. The, the surveillance and control that comes along with that, including the implied uh, control that comes from uh, the, the banks basically then being arbiters of who gets to operate in the economy and who doesn't. And we know that in the past, banks have targeted uh, owners of even legal businesses in the United States, for example, to uh, cut them off from banking services, like people who sell ammunition and things as a way of basically targeting things that are completely legal, but getting them off of the banking system. And once you're off the banking system, you're, you're screwed. Well, you're even more screwed in a cashless society because you literally cannot operate without a bank account. So there are, of course, there are many, many, many very valid and important reasons why this is... Uh, uh, the backlash is important, but I, I thought one of the interesting things about this uh, this particular story and the way it's it's put is that they talk, for example, about undocumented immigrants who can't easily sign up for cards, which of course throws this the whole you know illegals illegal aliens thing into the midst of this story, which. I don't know. I think it's an interesting way of trying to get the people who you think might actually be against the back uh, the cashless society to get them on the so other side of this issue in the sense that oh, is, you know, the illegal aliens. Well, we don't want them participating in the economy. They should have to have a bank account. They, maybe we do need cashless. I think there's maybe that kind of uh, you know counter counter spin going on right in the middle of this article so when they throw that issue into there but anyway as i say i think everyone can agree that we do not want the total complete surveillance tracking control grid that comes along with the cashless society so the backlash against it is good and let's hope that this spreads around the world because as i'm sure all of our viewers know, this is a phenomenon that's taking place all around the world and really far advanced in certain Scandinavian countries and places now where, you know, you literally can't ride a bus or anything with cash anymore. Uh, it's getting that way in a lot of places around the world. We need the cashless kickback because this is the end of any semblance of freedom from the uh, the control grid, the banking grid, all of this. You will be on the grid at all times in all ways. And so cash is one of those canaries in the coal mine when it comes to whether or not you even have the possibility of potentially maybe one day going more or less kind of off-grid. <laughs> Speaking of kind of off-grid, we've actually been pleasantly surprised down here in the American Southwest. And of course, my wife was down here a few times for family long before we actually moved here. And she noted even before we moved here, it's very cash-centric down here in the American Southwest. A lot of places still, while not exactly excluding credit or mobile payments, pretty, pretty heavy cash usage. And after, of course, being 13 years in the very futuristic, forward-leaning peak Portland, we kind of got away from cash. So it's actually nice to kind of get, get back to that a bit. James, I think, yeah, as we go through this episode, the news gets maybe a little bit better, a little bit better. And you've been laying little clues along the way as we reach our third and final story on this New World Next Week episode. DOJ settle suit in a landmark win for 3D printable guns. Back in 2013, hotshot crypto anarchist Cody Wilson warned the world that downloadable guns were imminent and gun control as we knew it a mere fantasy. 
some five years later, fresh off a huge effective win against the State Department, which allows for Wilson to post his 3D printable gun files online. Cody Wilson now says gun control is officially dead and he killed it. I barely put a million bucks into this and I got you the Second Amendment forever, he boasted to the Daily Wire. What's the NRA done for you lately? Due to the terms of the surprising settlement of the United States government, Cody Wilson can begin posting his open source technical data, including files for every gun up to 50 caliber that is available through commerce, meaning any gun that would be available for legal sale. He's allowed to do it on the full moon, July 27th, an irrevocable content dump which renders gun control efforts increasingly futile. Moreover, in the settlement, quote, the government expressly acknowledges that non-automatic firearms up to 50 caliber, including modern semi-auto sporting rifles such as the popular and feared AR-15 and similar firearms, are not inherently military. In other words, the handful of liberal states that currently ban assault weapons like the AR-15, such as New York State, via the SAFE Act, they could potentially face legal challenges. The takeaway from this, which is, again, as I noted earlier, a largely complicated story, the real simple, pithy takeaway line, it's kind of like GitHub for guns. James, this was new news to you. And again, where we started to roll tape, we were looking through this going, this is a complicated story and there's a lot of stuff to suss out, including, of course, a giant legalese settlement. James? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so yes, this is brand new to me. I'm just learning about this. So with all those caveats in place that I'm just getting this kind of as, as it's being summarized in these articles, I'm looking for any sort of text of this settlement anywhere online. I don't see it anywhere. So I'm not, I'm assuming it isn't online at this point in any form. I don't know. We'll keep digging. If anyone else out there finds a link to the actual settlement uh, so we can actually get into the 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 the, the flesh and bones of this that would be great but uh, just based on the fact that apparently a settlement has been reached and apparently on July 27th these files are going to be free and out there and and uh, out in the wild as they were always meant to be uh, that is good news and that's good news on of a form that is precisely what I am constantly trying to hammer home to people and you can get a sense of this from my article uh, a couple of years ago decentralize everything how to avoid the technocratic nightmare and i talked specifically about the liberator uh in that if for people who don't know about the liberator the, the 3d printed handgun that uh, that cody wilson um pioneered a few years ago um with defense distributed that kicked all of this brouhaha off um you can't do that you can't do that so this is the type of good news that i think is fundamentally important because it's not oh well if we vote in the right guy then he promises the right thing and actually follows through with the promise then we can change the rules so that they'll allow us to do this thing that we want to do until the next guy gets into power and takes it all back or you know and then we end up playing the political game forever and ever and ever and they keep moving the goalposts further and further down the field until oh hey we're in this technocratic nightmare how did we arrive here whereas the the real solution to this as I'm always saying is what you can actually do to physically affect the real world. Well, here you can, I mean, who cares? Second Amendment? No Second Amendment. Uh, what? Who cares what regulations they put in place? What license, what piece of paper they say you have to have in order to get permission to own this or that firearm? When you can literally create your own firearms, download the blueprints and print them off in your 3D printer, that nullifies any attempt at regulation. That is the type, the type, the idea of real resistance and real solutions to these problems. It has 
nothing to do with the political football game that they get you to obsess about all the time. It's about, it doesn't matter what they say, here it is. You can do it yourself. That's the type of thing I love. That's why this idea is so important. And it doesn't even matter about the gun issue itself. Whatever you think about guns and whatever. No, that's not the point. The point here is this is something you can do that completely nullifies any attempt at the government to regulate your actions. Now that, again, that's the type of solutions and uh, things that I think are truly revolutionary. So hats off to Cody Wilson for doing this. I'm going to try. I'm going to put out the feelers to see if he'll come on the program to talk about this. I don't think he will, but hey, if anyone out there knows Cody Wilson and wants to get in touch with him, tell him to come on the Corbett Report. I would love to talk to him about this and uh, and get the word out about this, because this is, as I say, this is exceptionally important. This is the type of true solution that, uh, that doesn't come along nearly uh, often enough. But hopefully, with examples like this, people can start to think about how to apply this in other ways and in other places. I've been saying for the last couple of years, the CBD toothpaste is out of the tube as it relates to the cannabis revolution. I'll have to maybe come up with some sort of saying as related to this, because, again, it nullifies it. If everybody's growing it, there's no way to stop it. It's kind of my analogy for a lot of different things. So, James, the last few bit of good news notes here as we wrap up a relatively good news themed episode of New World next week. Speaking of the interwebs, nearly half of social media users deleted one account in the past year. A lack of trust in websites like Twitter and Fedbook have prompted 40 percent of people with social media accounts to delete at least one of them in the past year. That sounds like a good start. And the long-awaited return of the spinoff Good News series from Neural Next Week, Good News Next Week, the return of Hemp for Victory. Talked about three stories on there. The shadow economy keeps crime down, pushing back on the police state in the Big Easy. And after 80 years, the U.S. Congress critters work on undoing hemp prohibition. That is the latest episode of Good News Next Week. And of course, I always like to remind folks at the end of these episodes, I stream news, music, and memes Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Pacific time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. James. All right. Well, uh, looking forward to next week. James, thanks. Uh, thanks again for three years stories. All right, buddy. Take care.